Hello, everybody! Welcome back to North Idaho Now. This is episode 190! 10 away from 200. What a milestone, folks. We're really getting up there. Chance Watson bring you the news today. This episode is brought to you by the English Funeral Home. The family-owned English Funeral Chapel in Post Falls and Coeur d'Alene has been serving the local community for over 80 years. Their compassionate team and licensed funeral professionals know that each service is as unique as the person or family planning it. They can accommodate your needs with skill and flexibility, create unique and meaningful ways to help you honor the life of your loved one, and help you through life, one of life's most challenging times with dignity and respect. English Funeral Chapel is now offering aquamation, also called water cremation. Aquamation is a gentle, eco-friendly alternative to flame cremation. Just like with traditional methods, water cremation is a method of final disposition that reduces the body to essential elements, which are then returned to the family. However, no flames are used during the water cremation process, making it a more natural choice. Originally developed by the Mayo Clinic, this revolutionary process is now available to the general public through English Funeral Chapel. For more information, call 1-208-773-3425 for the Post Falls location or 1-208-664-3143 for the Coeur d'Alene location. You can also visit their website at www.englishfuneralchapel.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Hope you guys are having a good week. Uh, starting off with a very, very snowy Tuesday. Um, got that uh, big snowstorm coming in early Monday, or late Monday night, I guess. Carried over into the morning, and uh, it seems like it's just coming back again. And unfortunately, I think this time it might be sticking around. We've got some temperatures dipping into the teens, uh, even below that. Hey, it might even go into the negatives here, uh, which is going to get... That, man, that's, it seems like it's been quite a while since we've had a cold. You know, back in my day, I remember Ice Storm 96. I'm just kidding. I don't, I, okay, actually, you know what? I was making an old person joke right there, but I, I do, I do definitely remember Ice Storm 96. Uh, I was three years old, but, uh, there, I, I remember flashes and glimpses of it. I remember I was at my grandparents' house. Uh, the power went out and they, the, the fireplace they absolutely never used, uh, was actually being used for a time. Uh, so I, I remember Ice Storm 96. I remember uh, a, a very clear shot in my head of like Super One just in this covered in this like sheet of ice. It was crazy because the sun came out uh, a day or two after. And I just remember the sheen that was that was hitting me. Um, God, you know, the, the things that you remember from when you're when you're younger. Folks, I want to remind you all once again to, if you're listening to us on a podcatcher or a music app, you know, like Spotify, Pandora, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, whatever, whatever, whatever your app may be, uh, please subscribe or follow us on that. That way you can get every episode as soon as it comes out and leave us a nice review. We all appreciate that here at North Idaho now. So, uh, yeah, back to, back to the weather. Uh, the weather is just absolutely crazy out. Uh, I recently, uh, traded in a rig for, for something a little more fuel efficient. I was driving around in a nice Toyota Tacoma. Love that truck. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if I get another one in my lifetime. Uh, but needed, needed something with a little more mileage. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm, st- I, at first I was really worried cause this thing's a two wheel drive rig. Uh, but you know what? This thing's been working like a champ. It's been working like an absolute champ front wheel drive for the win. Uh, absolutely love this rig. And, uh, you know what, out there at the moment, it, it really does come down to just being safe and responsible. Um, short of driving around on bald tires, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, if you're driving around on bald tires, you need to be going to get your tires changed anyway, uh, not even just because it's winter season. But uh, yeah, short of being on bald tires, it's just about being safe out there, folks. So 
you know, take that extra second, you know, make sure you're leaving early, allocate some time uh, to take a little longer to get to your destination. And you know what? I, as much as my, my, uh, the, the native of North Idaho in me wants to go, ah, oh, you know, people from out of here, they don't know how to drive in snow. They've never seen snow before. They don't know what snow is. Uh, I'm not, <laughs> uh, at the end of the day, I fight that because I, I truly believe that, uh, if you don't know how to, if you don't know how to drive in snow, you should definitely learn. You should either talk to a family member that knows how to or a friend or take one of the classes. I know Idaho State Police or, you know, local police departments sometimes offer that kind of stuff. Uh, do that. But you know what? If you're not feeling comfortable, don't go. Stay at home. Okay? It's stay safe. Don't be getting in any accidents. And uh, and just just be, be cautious around this time of the year because it seems like for the first time in a long time, we've got an actual winter here, folks. North Idaho winter. I even saw, you know, it's that time of the year when the when the passes are closed. I saw a post recently that uh, traffic was dead still on Lookout Pass, which uh, is pretty predictable. Like phases of the moon, you know, when uh, the snow starts hitting the ground, the passes are going to get uh, pretty packed, whether it be a semi-truck going down or something else. Somebody spinning out, that's usually could be a problem up there. Uh, in terms of uh, pastime and uh, what my my watching habits at the moment, folks, I, I actually have been diving into the uh, the Netflix acclaimed show Wednesday. Uh, boy, that um, that that actress is just she's absolutely fantastic. She absolutely nails it. Uh, I saw a meme saying that uh, women now have their Patrick Bateman. Uh, if people don't understand stand that reference, that's uh, uh, the the character from American Psycho that Christian Bale plays. Um, which again, another fantastic movie. Not not for children. Not not that's not a family movie. Um, Wednesday is a little more family appropriate, but still great performance. Uh, I think the first time I saw her was in the show You. Um, where she was playing, she had a bit, not a bit part, but she only played, uh, for one season in that show. Uh, another, another great show you should, you should definitely check out. Um, yeah, what a great show. Uh, it definitely calls back to the times where I used to watch the Adams family when I was younger. Um, the thing, thing is just absolutely great. You know, I, in you're sitting there, it's easy to sit there and say like, oh, I would love thing. Like having thing as a pet would be so cool. For those who are not familiar, thing is just a severed hand that, uh, understands and communicates uh it can like take order it's, it's kind of like a pet uh for the adams family uh but on one hand i think that'd be cool but on the other hand probably having a severed hand run around the house uh would probably be unnerving a little bit so um maybe maybe not so much maybe i'm not going to be wishing for that but yeah hey wednesday wednesday is absolutely great um other than that i think i've just been keeping my keeping my eye i talked about uh how i how i watched violent night great film i've uh, been wanting to watch the banshees of Sharon. still haven't seen that i think that's coming up on hbo or is already out so excited to watch that i need to and then hey who, who we can't not talk about uh avatar 2 which uh i've been seeing from the reviews it's good it's good. Uh, I think everything ever. I've, I've been hearing great things about it from the few people that I have uh, went and seen it. Of course, it's James Cameron, so it's got to be good. Um, James Cameron always raising the bar for uh, the level of good movies. Um, three hours. I think that that's probably what's keeping me from going is uh, right away. Like you know, making sure that I went and saw it on like opening day is that the the three hour runtime. God, I just I got to carve out three hours in my life. Uh, I got so much going on nowadays. Who's got three hours to just sit and watch something? Um, 
That's why I usually I'm watching TV or something because I can just burn through that. Uh, I also, hey, real quick, I wanted to follow up. I, I know in a previous episode we talked, to, I talked a little bit about. It. I, t- I watched the Blockbuster show on Netflix, and uh, I don't know if anybody follows this, but uh, Netflix canceled it after one season. So uh, maybe they heard this show and were like, "Oh, Chance hates it, so we got to can." I don't think that's 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 most likely not what happened. But uh, one more negative review to the pile uh, probably has led to them canceling Blockbuster for the second time. <laughs> they were they 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 indirectly led to the death of Blockbuster, and now uh, and now they've made a show about it and then canceled it again. So uh, Netflix getting a victory lap on uh, an enemy that has no hope of ever coming back. Really, well, hey, who knows? You know, um, there is something there is something nice about I guess going and picking up a movie. Um, maybe that's just an old old fuddy duddy in me. Uh, the the days of walking around I, here in Post Falls, it was Hollywood Video. Going to the Hollywood Video, and I would always look for the newest games that were out. And then you know you you'd pop in you know every day to see what new movies were were on the shelves, and uh, that was always exciting. You know, you get to go in there and and have the have the anticipation uh, that something new might be there. So uh, hey, you know what? With with things it, records records are coming back. Okay, we already got vinyl records, you know, coming back in, you know, like a trendy hipster capacity. Why not? Why not video stores? You know, at at this point, why not? What the hell? All right, without further ado, let's jump into some news. Hecla Mining Company is a leading low-cost silver producer with operating silver mines in Alaska, Idaho, and Mexico, and is a growing gold producer with operating mines in Quebec, Canada, and Nevada. They are the largest primary silver producer in the U.S., responsible for one-third of the silver produced in our nation. Their philosophy is to operate mines safely by promoting a deeply rooted value-based culture, leveraging mining skills developed over the company's long history, and by innovating new practices. To learn more about Hecla Mining Company, please visit HeclaMining.com. All right, folks, that takes us into Coeur Post Falls Press headlines for Saturday, December 17th. Headline, Making Historic, spelled with a K. This is by Bill Bealey. The way Chris Whalen sees it, museums can only share about 5% of their history with the general public at any given time, which means about 95% of that history is in storage. He wants to free it, though. Historic. His mobile app, in a nutshell, puts history on the screen of your cell phone. Historic again, H-I-S-T-O-R-I-K. Wants to put it on the screen of your cell phone. It's something Waylon, of Coeur d'Alene, began working on about 10 years ago and recently became available. Quote, I was trying to figure out, how do we connect people with history anywhere in the world through one solution, he said. Fast forward to today, Waylon defines it simply as... Quote, Historic is a technology company that is developing tools to empower communities to share their history with the world. Britt Thurman, executive director of the Museum of North Idaho, says it means history is a chance to get the attention of younger generations. She said the museum has uh, 36,000 digitized photos, but no avenue to share them with the community. Now, they do, which is key to the future of the museum. Quote, I would say that our photos are just one of their biggest strengths, Thurman said, and for the most part, they're just in a filing cabinet unless you happen to come in and you want to take a look at them, so it gives us great access and engagement with the community, ultimately, just to meet our mission of illuminating our local history. Historic can be downloaded free on an iOS operating system, so Apple stuff. 
Currently, Historic has 65 stories and many pictures covering a four-block area in downtown Coeur d'Alene, Blackwell Park, Coeur d'Alene Brewery, the USO Club, Playland Pier, and the Red Collar Line are recommended history it offers now. Users can also explore the Wilma Theater VW Sanders Building and Red Collar Line via Historic's Augmented Reality, a combination of real and virtual worlds, to recreate lost historic points at their origin in 3D. It's very cool. I've seen this in a, in a not through Historic, uh, through actually a, a smaller program that's going on in the Silver Valley that's very similar to this to look at old mining sites. Uh, I've seen this kind of stuff. It's very cool. Users can point their device where the history once stood and see the original computer-generated model in real time while walking around the object. It also benefits museums because it brings awareness of what they do and offer, creating exposure and drawing people inside their doors. That's why the Museum of North Idaho partnered with Historic about a year ago. Thurman said Historic gives users the opportunity to quickly access historical information, which gives them a doorway to the stories, people, and places that make the area what it is today. Quote, they can kind of ground themselves a little bit more in our heritage and what Coeur d'Alene's sense of place is, she said. As well, public relations is key for the Museum of North Idaho, which is raising money to move into a new, bigger home at McEwen Park. Whelan said about a thousand people have downloaded the app to an iOS system. Quote, the Android app we're still working on, Whelan said. We're going to be hopefully launching that by the end of this year. Historic has filters so users can set it to their areas of interest. Whelan is in talks with several states about using Historic. The opportunities are many. Museums could purpose it for, it for guided tours and source of revenue. City agencies could use it to put history of their areas at the fingertips of locals and visitors. Uh, like I said, there's a there's a version of this out in the Silver Valley right now. Uh, the folks over at Gravis Tech and Wallace did that. Um, it's, it's very cool. Very cool thing indeed uh, to kind of look at, get history at your fingertips and kind of put yourself in that position from way back then. So very cool, very cool thing that they're doing. Moving on. Oh boy, here we go, folks. More NIC news. Swain sues North Idaho College. This is by Kay Thornbrew. After trustees placed him on administrative leave last week, NIC President Nick Swain is suing the college and asking to be reinstated. The lawsuit, filed in Kootenai County late Friday, contends that the Board of Trustees did not have the power to place Swain on leave and, in doing so, violated the terms of Swain's employment agreement. The agreement provides that the president may terminate his contract without cause after providing a 60-day notice. The board may place the president on administrative leave during part or all of that period. The agreement does not include a term to otherwise place Swain on administrative leave. Quote, because Dr. Swain has not given notice of his resignation, NIC cannot place him on administrative leave, and Dr. Swain should be allowed to return to his job, the lawsuit said. On the advice of newly hired college attorney Art McComber, trustees voted 3-1 to one last week to place Swain on leave immediately. Trustees Greg McKenzie, Todd Banducci, and Mike Wagner voted in favor of the move, while trustees Terry Zinneman opposed it. Included in the fi court filing was an email on NIC letterhead from McCumber to Swain. He noted that Swain is not on leave due to any disciplinary process, but rather because trustees want to, quote, isolate him from the investigative process, while McCumber examines a change to Swain's contract. The change occurred in August with the board's approval. Swain's contract originally said, quote, either party could terminate it without cause. It now provides that the contract, quote, may be terminated by mutual agreement of the parties by the president without cause or by the board for cause. 
NIC's former legal counsel, Mark Lyons, said the original language was an error that required correction. Few presidential candidates would agree to a contract that allows the board to fire them for no reason, he said, including Swain. Quote, if Mark Lyons had given me his complete file on NIC workings, I would not have recommended this step to the trustees, but he has left me in the dark, so I had to recommend a wall of separation to protect my investigation, McCumber wrote in his email to Swain. Uh, you can, if you want the other side of that story, listen to the last episode uh, where we got uh, Lyons' side of the story. Lyons, who served as a college attorney for 23 years and resigned in late November, maintains that his law firm has returned all original records to college personnel. It remains unclear what McComber's investigation entails because the discussion about the change to Swain's contract and the decision to approve it occurred in open session. The court filing seeks an award of attorney's fees and costs and, quote, such other and further relief as the court determines is just and proper under the circumstances. Let's vague, open. Uh, read the court documents and exhibits at thecourtalanepress.com. That, that post is on uh, in the local news category. The next meeting of the NIC Board of Trustees is scheduled for Wednesday, December 21st at 6 p.m. at Schuler Performing Arts Center. All right, moving on. Rathrum approves transportation plan. This is by Joseph Snow. Rathrum City Council members added a transportation strategic plan and capital improvement plan to the city's comprehensive plan in a regular meeting Wednesday. A plan within a plan within a plan. The transportation plan took two years and cost the city almost $160,000 to complete, said Mayor Vic Holmes. Quote, this report talks about arterial roadway network-type movements, the highway systems, the major, major highway roadways such as Lancaster Road, which is what we have identified as a major arterial, said Kevin Jump, city engineer. David Evans and Associates, an engineering and transportation planning company, used current analysis of more than 70 intersections, projections of growth in the city, and computer modeling to create a list of intersections that will have to be improved by 2045. Problem intersections will fail to meet city standards of a 36.55 second wait time at traffic lights and a 26.35 second wait time at stop signs or traffic circles in peak hours. The transportation plan will be used to guide all future developments at certain intersections to maintain expansion space for potential problem areas. Some intersections that present the biggest problems if nothing is done before a 2045 include uh, Mill and Highway 53 and intersections along Highway 41 at McCart uh, McCartney Street, Main Street, Vera Street, Coeur d'Alene Street, and Diagonal Road. Yeah, Diagonal Road is dangerous. It's been, yeah, that's, that can be dangerous. The capital improvement plan is a phased construction plan to improve the problem intersections by 2045, reflecting priorities set in the transportation plan. Construction projects already in planning phases, like the roundabouts at Bokel and Meyer Roads, were included in the projections and computer modeling. Construction on the roundabout at Bokel and Meyer Roads must be completed by September of 2023, the deadline to spend roughly $2.4 million in federal grant money. To complete the project by the end of the fiscal year, construction has to begin by spring of 2023, said Leon Deuce, city administrator. To meet those deadlines, council members voted to move forward on exercising its right of an eminent domain to acquire the fourth and final property at the intersection. The city has negotiated over the last two years to come to an agreement with the property owners. Negotiators from the city offered concessions and far more than the original appraised value, but not as much as the landowner asked, said Emily Smith, city attorney. The city issued an independent appraisal as recently as October to establish the current value of the property. Smith filed for an eminent domain with the court. Thursday morning, and a judge or jury will review evidence to establish a fair value for the land. 
Jo- John Hodgkins voted against issuing eminent domain. Quote, on the fourth parcel of land, we have made several offers, Deuce said. We have done reevaluations of property, gone through additional negotiations, and talks with the property owner. With all of the work for the last two years that we have gone through, we have not reached an agreement for that piece of land. All right, moving on. Sunday, December 18th headline. Accrediting agency sends warning to NIC. A warning that things are just so great. I, I bet, you know what, before I even read this story, I bet the warning is that, that they are about to get, if they keep up what they're doing, they're going to get an award. This is a warning for an award of best community college in the country. I bet that's I bet that's what I'm about to read right now. Accrediting agency sends warning to NIC. This is by Maureen Dolan. North Idaho College's accrediting organization, the Northwest Commission on Colleges and Universities, sent a letter to the college Saturday cautioning that the board's recent actions do not align with the eligibility requirements and standards for NWCCU accreditation. Well, dang. Guess I was wrong. Oh, well, you know, that could only be hopeful, right? Quote, while NIC has submitted monitoring requ- reports as required th- since that time, hired a new president and has fully constru- a constituted board with five trustees, recent and subsequent public actions of the NIC Board of Trustees appear to place the institution at significant risk of being out of compliance, states the letter sent to the college's acting CEO, co-CEO, rather, Lloyd Dunham, Dunman, uh, and Sarah Garcia. The letter outlines multiple eligibility requirements and accreditation standards. The NWCCU Executive Board, which met Friday, has determined NIC is or appears to be out of compliance with. Those eligibility requirements are related to operational focus and independence, institutional integrity, the governing board, the chief executive officer, which which in NIC's case is the president, the administration, and the college's relationship with NWCCU. The letter lists eight standards of accreditation the college is or appears to be out of compliance with. A definition of show cause is included in that letter. Quote, when the commission finds that an intrusion institution has not taken satisfactory steps to address identified concerns, or when an institution is found to be in serious noncompliance with the commission's accreditation criteria, it may be require it may require the institution to show cause as to why its candidacy or accreditation should not be terminated. Oh boy. In In such cases, the burden rests with the institution to demonstrate why its candidacy or accreditation should be continued. Boy, uh, this is is followed by a description of the related NWCCU accreditation action policy, which states that the reasons an institution may be required to show cause and calling on NIC to respond to the letter by January 4th, describing how the college is not out of compliance with the standards and requirements cited in the letter. The complete letter can be read on QuarterLanePress.com. NWCCU letter to, uh, dated was dated November December seventeenth. I, I boy, it, it just makes me sad. I, it really makes me sad. I, I honestly don't. I, I have no political affiliations on this. I don't. I don't care what party you're from. But if this board doesn't, NIC is very important to this community, and I just, I just hope that the people on this board can. Just calm things down for a little bit and and do the right thing to keep this college going because, boy, if, if you know, North Idaho College, formerly NIJC, uh, has been such a fixture of this area for so long, uh, I would just, I would just hope to, hope, hope not to see it gone. That would just be awful. What is your relationship status with your bank? It's time to go steady with Bank CDA. You want local, you want flexible, you want Bank CDA. To learn more, please visit BankCDA.com. All right, takes us into Monday, December 19th headline. 
Coeur d'Alene Council to consider raises. This by Bill Bewley. It's been more than five years since members of the Coeur d'Alene City Council received a raise. Tuesday, they're scheduled to discuss whether it's time for another one. City Council members who are part-time currently receive $1,000 a month, while the mayor receives $2,700 a month. Both also receive benefits such as health, dental, and life insurance. In comparison, council members in Boise receive monthly pay of $2,033, Meridian $1,266, Post Falls $856, Hayden $660, and Sandpoint $408. Oof. Comparative part-time mayor salaries include Moscow at $2,119, Post Falls at $2,056, Hayden at $1,320, and Sandpoint at $1,224. According to a city report at the August 15, 2017 meeting, city council meeting, the council approved an amendment to municipal code 2.72.017 or 010 rather, increasing the city council salary amount from $750 to $1,000 per month, still not a lot, with no increases to the mayor's salary. Quote, at that time, Mayor Steve Windmeyer requested no increase to the mayor's salary, the report said. Idaho Code states that any wage action must be ta- must take place within an election year and doesn't go into effect until the January after the election. Quote, so if the council wants to change the wage, staff would need to bring an ordinance back and publish it in the paper, as required by code with an effective date of January 2024, wrote Renita McLeod, Municipal Services Director. The city council is scheduled to meet 6 p.m. on Tuesday at the library community room. All right, moving on. Last day for Coeur d'Alene. Tuesday, December 20th, headlines. North Idaho College trustees to meet Wednesday. Oh, okay, great. I really hope that there's something positive in this. This by Kay Thornbrew. The North Idaho College Board of Trustees will meet Wednesday, and among other things, they will discuss correcting several, quote, possible open meeting law violations that occurred during meetings the week of December 5th. Meanwhile, the college's former attorney has cautioned NIC leadership that doubling down on recent decisions could be disastrous for the college. Quote, I do not think it is hyperbole to say that there are no other options for the Board of Trustees if NIC is to continue as an accredited college in our community. Attorney Mark Lyons wrote Monday in a letter to college trustees and top administrators. Lyons wrote that the board has a unique opportunity at Wednesday's meeting to, quote, rescind and not continue the prior actions. Quote, ratification of the previous resolutions and continuing with those and certain other initiatives will result in a cataclysmic damage to the institution, Lyons wrote. Lyons resigned last month after 23 years as NIC's attorney. Trustees replaced him at him recently with Art McCumber, a local real estate attorney and political ally of several trustees who hasty hire, whose hasty hiring appeared to violate both NIC policy and Idaho's open meeting laws. The Northwest Commission on Colleges and Universities sent NIC a letter on Saturday, giving the college until January 4th to explain how it is not out of compliance with eligibility requirements and accreditation standards. The letter came as a response to recent actions by college trustees. Lyons wrote that NIC is on a path of to receiving a show cause a show cause determination from NWCCU, a final step before a loss of accreditation. Those board actions per Lyons include reinstating NIC President Nick Swain, who the trustees placed on administrative leave last week. 
Other actions Lyons said the board must take to protect the college are, quote, cease and desist from interfering with college operations, including interference with hiring and other personnel decisions, cease and desist from trying to appoint a second interim or acting president, cease and desist from trying to appoint a special board investigator to get access to college files, allow the administration to pursue requests for proposal to select legal counsel for the college, seek immediate training and comply with the Open Meeting Act, and receive appropriate training on your role as members of a board of trustees. Quote, do not let the loss of accreditation for NIC be your legacy, Lyons wrote. Boy, if NIC loses accreditation, NIC students won't be eligible for federal financial aid, and NIC credits won't transfer to other institutions. Credits earned prior to loss of accreditation will remain transferable. Beyond that, it's unclear what would happen because this has never occurred before. Idaho law provides no framework for what happens after a college loses accreditation. Well, I would assume it would probably be the beginning of the end for our local community college, which uh, would really just be a shame. Uh, I, God, I, I don't, I don't know if uh, pleading to the board uh, to get their shit together is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's going to work, but uh, boy, I, I just, I really can't stress enough how terrible it would be to lose North Idaho College here, here in the North Idaho area. Home of the lowest prices on all things outdoors since 1975, Black Sheep Sporting Goods is your one-stop shop for all your camping, fishing, hunting, and clothing needs. Open Monday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. and Sundays from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Check out Black Sheep's new location in the Silver Lake Mall. Be sure to grab an entry form from any cashier at Big Sheep's annual Big Game event. All Big Game entries must be harvested between August 31st and December 24th. Only four days left, folks, as this episode comes out. Prizes will be awarded by random drawing. Size of rack doesn't determine a winner, and the early and and the and the entries must meet all state and federal laws. Black Sheep Sporting Goods, award-winning selection and customer service since 1975. All right, time to jump into Bonner County Daily Bee headlines coming out of Sandpoint for Saturday, December 18th. Headline, Alternative to Public Education, Charting a Course. This is my Emily Bosung. North Idaho Classical Academy is gauging community interest in a new charter school to serve both Bonner and Boundary Counties. North Idaho Classical Academy is in the process of applying to become a Hillsdale K-12 affiliate charter school. The school would be located at the site of, Boulder, of the Boulder Creek Academy, a children's residential care and treatment facility closed, closed in August after 29 years. The Ware family, W-A-R-E, family purchased the 119-acre property and is planning to open a charter school to serve both counties. Seth Kincaid, an educator helping establish the school and the point of contact for inquiries, said the Ware family desired to use the former academy as a way to provide for the community. In order to see if there was interest in a charter school, organizers conducted a survey through local churches, grocery stores, and a community gym. Kincaid said organizers were surprised that 94% of survey takers said they were very interested in having another education option, and that included many homeschooled families. In the first week of announcing the school, 100 people indicated their intent to enroll. It's pretty good. Kincaid said that this was almost solely out of Bonner's Ferry, but that NIHCS wants to provide education to students in Ponderay and Sandpoint as well. Kincaid said transportation is provided by NIHCS up to 50 minutes of travel, but that does not mean students that live farther away cannot apply. NICA will use the Hillsdale curriculum, which is based on the classical learning model. Kincaid said that the Ware family selected this model because it it is purpose-driven and is developed to improve over academic rigor. 
Kincaid said the curriculum was chosen not just because it goes back to the basics, but has done very well and outperformed nearly every model in the country. Not everyone wants to send their kids to college or trade schools, but everyone should want their kids to become great human beings, and that is the focus of the curriculum, he said. With a different mission than most curriculums, there is also a focus on phonics and strong emphasis on pronunciation and use of Singapore math. Which is more visual, he said. I've never heard of Singapore math. That is that is a new concept to me. The curriculum is developed to help students understand subjects deeply and go on and learn quickly on the things that they want to delve into deeply, he said. In order for the school to open, NICA will have to petition the state of Idaho. The school is asking for any families that want to enroll to sign the letter of intent. The school will open as a K-6 through with an extra grade added each year until the 12th grade is added. As the school grows, athletics and other activities will be added as well. All right. Another uh, another institution of learning here in North Idaho, possibly. Sounds like a can't can't go wrong there. Moving on, headlines December twelfth. Nope, December twentieth, rather. Headline: BOCC again vacates Camp Bay Road. This is by Kathy Hubbard. After a lengthy hearing, Bonner County Commissioners again voted Monday to vacate a portion of Camp Bay Road in Sagal. The vote came after officials faced a crowded room of both supporters and critics of the Camp Bay Road vacation. After hearing additional information from the developer and hearing testimony from both sides, county commissioners unanimously voted to approve the motion to, quote, vacate a portion of Camp Bay Road as shown on the submitted site plan based upon the evidence submitted up to the time the staff report was prepared and testimony received at this hearing. This court ordered hearing, though tied to the vacation, specifically focused on the developer's proposal to create a walking path and whether or not it would be in the public interest. County Counsel Bill Wilson explained that the scope of the meeting was defined to specifically address the walking path and that speakers would be held to that topic. However, he said that there would be no time limits put on speakers. Despite officials' refusal to allow a citizen to take a straw poll of attendees, it seemed the room, filled with close to 100 people, was evenly divided between those in favor and those opposed to the proposal plan. For over four hours, commissioners were presented with strong and often emotional opinions as to what constitutes public uh, public interest constitutes public interest rather. Jake Gabell, Bonner County Planning Director, presented the board with an amended conditions for acceptance for the applicant that included the addition of requiring the developer to provide designated parking areas for passenger vehicles, which would not impede the county turnaround. The conditions also stated that the county would not provide maintenance for the trail and that easement for the path must be a minimum of 20 feet wide. Bill Brownlee, the representative for the developer, M3, gave an overview of the proposed walking trail that included a description of how the Camp Bay, Camp Bay Path could eventually be linked to other trails, such as those at Mineral Point and Gamlin Lake. Brownlee acknowledged that some people think the proposed site of the trail is inferior, in part because it has a stream running through it. He said that they would they would work with the Forest Service and county staff to take into consideration the public's objections. Quote, this plan provides guaranteed access to the lake, Brownlee said. We want to make this into a great spot. We don't want to develop something detrimental. We want to create value for our residents and the public. The citizens who spoke against the project had many points of concern. For instance, the parking area would be approximately a half mile from the lake. Those who por- uh, portage kayak, those who portage kayaks, if in fact they were physically able to carry them, would not only need to make the trip once but two or more times in order to bring along necessary gear. 
Many spoke to the fact that the dis disabled would no longer have access to the lake at Camp Bay. Children, grandchildren, and the elderly were also called out as potentially not being able to walk the path. Even the grand granddaughter of the original owner cited her inability to access the lake by the trail. One person questioned the safety of people swimming in the lake due to the proximity of the proposed boat docks. Another questioned what would happen if someone needed emergency care, how that would be handled when the trail is only accessible by non-motorized vehicles. The fact that the trail couldn't be used in winter was also a concern, as was times of day the tra trail would be open. And the final question, what about public restrooms? Those in favor of the project stated that much of the information published in the press and on social media was not factual. Realtor Eric Skinner gave the example that there was a misconception that the area was swampy. All right, well, sounds like this uh, long-standing issue that we've been talking about on the show for quite a while now is finally put to bed. Moving on, pause to read with Pepper. This is by Brendan Bobby, contributing writer. Strong reading skills are important to develop for every stage of life. Reading aloud helps us grow a number of important skills from enhanced comprehension to improving our ability to public speak. However, when we don't utilize a skill very often, we become self-conscious about doing it in front of others, which can lead to a rapid abandonment of reading and public speaking. It is especially important for children reading aloud to feel confident while reading aloud, which can be difficult when they are still learning good reading habits. This is the benefit of reading to Pepper. Pepper is a trained therapy dog that will be coming to the library so kids can read to her and build great reading habits for adulthood. Pepper is specially trained to be alert and attentive with young readers to help bolster their confidence and encourage them to continue reading. Pepper's presence can also help reduce stress for kids and adults alike. If you'd like to come meet Pepper and find out what Pause to Read is all about, stop by the library Wednesday, December 21st at 2 p.m. to enjoy a holiday cupcake and learn a bit about what Pepper does as a trained therapy dog if you're out looking for more information about pup uh, pup cakes with pepper party or pause to read program check out the library website at e bonner that's b-o-n-n-e-r library.org forward slash events your portal for all information about events at your local library brendan bobby can be reached at the east bonner county library 1407 cedar street sandpoint by phone at 208-263 6930 or email at brendan at ebonnerlibrary.org. On those busy school nights with hours of sports practice and dance class when you just don't have time to make dinner, your local McDonald's has got the whole family covered. Whether you get a happy meal with chicken McNuggets for the kids or a Big Mac for the adults, dinner is sure to be quick, easy, stress-free, and satisfying. Your locally owned and operated McDonald's is located at 820 West Cameron Avenue in Kellogg. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, I'm loving it. All right, folks, that takes us into Shoshone News Press headlines to round out the show. Headlines from Tuesday, December 19th. Headline, JNR partners with FSFSD for new internet tower. This is by Josh McDonald. They say cooperation is the key to success, and opportunities for cooperation can sometimes appear in the strangest of places. Perhaps no two stranger bedfellows exist than JNR Electronics and the South Fork Sewer District. Recently, the SFF, SFSD, boy, that's a mouthful, board voted in favor of funding $10,000 of new multi-point microwave repeater towers that will be utilized by JNR to provide internet services to the residents of Osborne. The tower will be treated as a co-location for both JNR and SFSD and is already up and serving customers on the west end of town at the NSFSD building in Osborne. 
The partnership between the two entities is one born of necessity on both sides, as JNR was struggling to find places in Osborne to help them complete their coverage of the city, and for the SFSD, who requires a high-speed, stable, and consistent internet connection in order to operate. With the exception of the city of Smelterville, SFSD services all of the other communities in the Silver Valley from Kingston to Mullen. In exchange for the location and partial funding of the towers as part of their fiber fiber backbone, JNR is also supplying SFSD with a direct fiber line that will allow the sewer district to maintain a strong and stable connection. Quote, we had really poor internet before, to the point where we couldn't run our business, said SFSD manager Pete Staten. We bill quarterly, so once we so once a quarter we have a lot of stuff going on, going out, and a lot coming in. And if an outage happened during one of those times, which it did, we basically couldn't operate our business. So this has really worked out tremendously for us. The $10,000 from from the SFSD covered roughly 50% of the cost for the tower structure. Prices on materials are still being higher than the historic averages and required board approval from the SFSD's five-person board. This new tower will work in conjunction with towers placed in the parking lot at Zanetti Brothers adjacent to the MCE garbage and recycling offices and on top of the Silver Hills Elementary School to provide a full network for the residents of Osborne. Danny Alfson with JNR mentioned that the type of connection SFSD now has at a reduced rate would cost somewhere in the neighborhood of $600 per month, which means that this partnership will be saving taxpayers in the long run while also making one of their main utility oper- utilities operate more efficiently. Quote, that estimate, uh, estimated cost was also for way less than we're getting now, Alfson said. As part of the agreement, SFSD will receive their service at a reduced price, and, and that price will continue to taper down until it hits $0. Well, sounds like a good deal. All right, folks, rounding out the show today, uh, a story that I worked up myself. Stutsky tapped for SCSO under sheriff position. The top leadership position at the Shoshone County Sheriff's Office official the top leadership positions rather at the Shoshone County Sheriff's Office officially have new, yet also familiar, faces as of last Thursday. Three days after being sworn in as the new interim sheriff on December 12th, following the retirement of Mike Gunderson, Holly Lindsay swore in longtime detention Captain Lance Stutsky to serve as her undersheriff for at least the remainder of her interim term. Quote, I chose Lance for the undersheriff position for many reasons, but the main reasons are his intimate knowledge of our community, his experience, his beliefs, values, and last but certainly not least, his leadership skills, Lindsay told the news press. Originally born in Sandpoint, Stutsky moved to Murray when he was 11 years old as his dad pursued a career in gold mining. Living in the rural community until he was 18, he said he mostly enjoyed growing up there. Boy, I, Murray is such a small town. I cannot believe growing up there. Cannot, cannot think about it. When he was 19, he married his wife, Jessica, and got a job working at the Lucky Friday Mine in Mullen. He worked there for four years until he and numerous other employees were laid off. Unemployed, unemployed, Stutsky then decided to apply for an open position in the detention department at SCSO and was hired a week later. Quote, it was something that I realized I was pretty good at and I really enjoy it, he said. I enjoy the people I work with, the camaraderie. I enjoy interacting with people in the community and feeling like you're doing something to help out. Something more than just making money for a corporation. Over the course of 11 years, Stutsky would work his way up the ranks in detention from deputy, corporal, and then to detention sergeant. He held that rank for four years until he went back to the Lucky Friday in 2013 for financial reasons. When the union miners at the Lucky Friday went on strike in 2017, Stutsky returned to SCSO, but this time as captain of the detention department under Sheriff Gunderson. Quote, I came and had a meeting with him and under Sheriff Lindsay at that time, and I liked the direction they were going. 
As detention captain for the last five years, Stutsky has been responsible for overseeing the safety and security of both the inmates incarcerated at SCSO and the building itself. Despite numerous staffing and facility issues, the SCSO jail has maintained a state certification throughout the entirety of Stutsky's term. The jail recertification was a plank of former Sheriff Gunderson's election campaign in 2016, as SCSO has lost certification the years prior. Quote, you're looking more at jail standards and making sure we are in compliance with that, Stutsky said of, ca- of the captain role, making sure prisoners are being treated fairly and that they were not violating any rights. Just like any job, Stutsky said his time as detention captain has had its ups and downs. Quote, the main issue has been staffing, where we've heard that before. With his promotion to undersheriff, Stutsky is looking forward to opening a new chapter of his life that will require him to not only keep an eye on the detention department, but all the other ones as well, as this new position will require him to be involved with the patrol department and his detention certifications don't transfer over. Stutsky will have to attend the Idaho Peace Officer Standards and Training Academy and obtain his patrol certification on top of on top of logging some field training time, uh, field officer time field training officer time, rather. He estimates this will occur in mid-2023. While he and Sheriff Lindsay are not discussing specific initiatives or goals at this time, Stetsy is looking forward to creating a healthy atmosphere at SCSO for everybody. Quote, Super excited and looking forward to working with Sheriff Lindsay to develop relationships with our community and promote a positive environment to work in for our employees, he said. Overall, I've always wanted the Sheriff's Office to be an environment where people enjoy coming to work, feel like they're going to be supported by the administration, whatever it may be. They can come. They can come to us with any issue and feel like they're being. Uh, they feel like they're being heard. He said, "A replacement for the position of detention captain has not been decided at this time. Lindsay will serve out the remainder of Gunderson's current term, which ends in January of 2025. The primary election for the position of Shoshone County Sheriff will be held in May of 2024, and the general election in November of that same year." Uh, congratulations to Lance Stutsky for this position. Uh, already talked about on the show. Congratulations to Holly Lindsay. Uh, these are two well-deserving individuals that uh, definitely, in my own personal opinion, this is just my just my take, but they they definitely deserve what uh, what they, these roles that they're currently in. And uh, here's here's to them. Here's to them doing a good job uh, while they're while they're there. Once again, we'd like to thank English Funeral Home for sponsoring this episode. To learn more and for uh, to learn more about them or to book their services, call one two zero eight seven seven three three four two five for the Post Falls location or one two zero eight six six four three one four three for the Coeur d'Alene location. You can also visit their website at www.englishfuneralchapel.com. All right, everybody. Thanks again for listening in. We really appreciate it. Please like, comment, and share all of our stuff on social media. Follow the North Idaho Now Facebook page where we chat, uh, throw out some fun stuff on there. If you're interested in the stories we talked about today or the ones we did not, check us out at www.cordelainepress.com, shoshonenewspress.com, bonnercountydailybee.com, or the bonnersferryherald.com. All right, everybody. Thanks once again for listening. Please subscribe to us on whatever podcast that you're on, and we'll see you on Friday.